I've heard of people having success with some of these really inexpensive properties to put them on TikTok, put them on Instagram, things like that. But I think you got to have a little bit of a following or maybe do something really unique so that the video starts taking off in some way. You could do all kinds of things like that. Have them do like a TikTok dance on the property. Right. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Yeah, we're so glad you guys are joining us, guys, gals. Everybody, yeah. I wasn't going to do anything in the news, but of course I can't control myself right now because I did. You asked me if I read anything I wanted to talk about. I said uh -huh. no, because I lied. Okay. But it said there was an article that said, can California's housing problems be fixed um, by converting commercial into residential? Hmm. And like, we've always, you and I have talked about this nonstop. Like there's got to be a use for commercial. That's not traditional commercial, like not office building. And I was like, why can't they do this? And then you brought up something that you were talking about how it's it's hard to do that because of the lighting. Yeah. Like people windows. want windows. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh, I wonder, you know, how big of a issue is that? But, and, I, and then we we're talking about like skylights, but I'm like, oh, those leak, you know, all these kinds of things, bouncing it back and forth. But I guess that that is seriously being considered. And I wonder if there's a market, maybe not like in the luxury real estate or even the mid, but people who are housing insecure might not care about the windows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'd imagine there has to be some safety things. So maybe windows come into that. Maybe right. there has to be an exit, mm -hmm. clear exit route or something like that. But definitely, I think that there are a lot of office buildings maybe that are going to be underutilized here in the near future, if they're not already, mm -hmm. that could potentially, or retail, uh, large shopping malls right. or things like that, mm -hmm. where there could be some kind of interior rooms that may or may be, you know, like the lesser cost housing, but would be perfectly fine for a lot of people. You know, just like on the cruise ships, when you go on a cruise ship, <laughs> You know, the higher priced rooms are obviously the ones with the balconies and then ones with the porthole. And then uh, the ones that are the cheapest on the ship are the ones that are the interior rooms where they don't have any sort of windows or or natural light. You know, we were on a, a Disney ship one time and they did yeah. something pretty cool. We ended up getting a room, but there was five of us and we we're like, there's no way we could fit into this room. So we went down to the front desk. They're like, we're like. What else do you got? We wanted to get we something for the kids. Room. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> so, by the kids, we weren't ditching our 13-year-old who was a minor. We, it was our two adult children. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we, we were trying to find mm -hmm. some extra space to get some room. And they had an interior room left. And we talked to the kids. And they're like, well, no, that's, that's fine with <laughs> us. And we went down to the room. And they had a really cool solution. They had, um, they had a big... Like it was plasma like a big, TV. It was like a big TV. But it made it look like it was an exterior window. Mm -hmm, like uh, a huge window. Right. And it had, um, and they did extra things like, you know, some of the characters would, would like pop up on it. So it was even mm, yes. cooler. Yeah. And I think that's the whole thing is that you and I might be saying, well, I don't want to live in a house with no windows, or, uh, taking apart safety, like safety. Mm -hmm. Or a condo with no windows. Yeah, a condo, yeah. exactly. Yeah, a house that'd mm -hmm. be even stranger. Yeah. But that's putting, you know, we're not in our 20s. We're not, we can afford to be choosy, I guess. And I, but I think everyone deserves housing. Right. So if we can find a way to give people or, or to get them secured in housing, Maybe we have to be a little more creative, mm -hmm. you know, and also housing, then they can kind of, they can get back on their feet if, if that's a, an opportunity that they can do. Yeah. How do I put this tenderly? I was like trying to say it nicely, but I just, I think that there's a, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this. Exactly. Um, and the other thing too, is that experiential things we always talk about, like turning that into something where it's, you know, mm -hmm. something that's more. Well, we were at the, we were at one of the malls uh, up here yesterday and one of the big spaces in the mall is now. Like I can't remember where we were. Dave but. and Buster's. Oh with, yes. You know, uh -huh. like a big arcade kind of in a restaurant and things mm -hmm. like that. That's that's moving more towards the experiential side of things. It used to be an anchor store. I'm not sure which which store Gosh, used to be there. Sears, Maybe Sears, but it's it's a huge space mm -hmm. and they turned it into kind of an experiential type use rather than a retail use. So. Right. So it'll be interesting. I think that that's definitely if you if you come across like there's been a lot of times we've come across old schools, old malls. Mm. Yes. And you wanted to jump on them. And I'm right. like, I just can't see that right now. I remember like, I don't know, maybe it was 10 years ago, maybe seven mm -hmm. years ago, something like that. I used to always look on eBay because there was very interesting pieces of real estate oh, that yeah. would pop up on their commercial pieces of real estate. I remember someone had some school that they were selling in Kansas for $35,000. You know, just a, it was a, it was a whole school, gymnasium, mm -hmm. cafeteria, 
all this all these rooms and it wasn't in bad shape either it was just kind of in the middle of nowhere i guess but we were talking about that would even make a really cool like camp experience for families right like i think it'd be kind of cool to go to an old school school like an old school school like that that where we went to school kind of thing make it functional to some extent and then you could maybe turn some of the rooms into bedrooms and the kids could play on the court you know what i mean like or family reunions yeah or, like a, like a, wouldn't it be a, the coolest airbnb that's what i mean yeah, yeah something like that where it's you're not trying to turn it into anything other than what it is right you'd bring like the food is catered and it's do you remember those square pizzas and tater tots and <laughs> you know what i mean like that's what you eat and like the i don't even know what breakfast i don't think i read breakfast at school did you no. Okay, no. but I'm sure that we could figure out what that was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My mom used to love our school, elementary school's lunches so much that she would buy them for dinner. Okay. This is like deep. Your mom's unique. Delaney family history. <laughs> I know. That's. I'm still scarred. I just popped that popped in my head and now I'm going to need to leave the room for a few uh, minutes. But Well, everyone could get their own classroom and sleep in their own yes, classroom. Yes, but That'd I think be it'd cool. be fun. So anyways, okay. So now that I've kind of taken this off course. So then after that, uh, you did... Um, you were doing the ARIOs, short sales, you know, bank owned, all that kind of stuff. And then BPOs, price opinions, helping investors. Okay. And then that kind of evolved a little bit. And right at the same, like it had kind of quieted down. It kind of went mm-hmm. which more towards a traditional market. Right. At the same time that uh, you take it over. The, yeah. That's when I started getting into luxury real estate for mm-hmm. a while. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. But I, then I realized pretty quickly that. I didn't like the luxury side of things because it was it was uh, conventional real estate. You know, you were dealing with people and their emotions and things like that. And I'm more of a, I don't know, how can you say it? I'm, I'm more of a business uh, type mindset. So I'm just about the numbers. Like I like evaluating property if it makes sense, if it's a good deal, it's a nice property. But I don't, I don't, I don't like the other side of things where like discussing paint colors or carpet types and you know, you know, all that kind of stuff is not really my thing. So. And I realized that in the luxury space, you have to always, be, as a listing broker, you always have to be there to show the property, which I didn't like as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I it was always the weekends. It was always times when I didn't want to do it. So. Right. And people would fly in at, uh-huh. you know, at the really luxury market there. They'd fly in kind of almost randomly like, hey, we decided mm-hmm. to, we're on the plane now. We'll be landing in two hours. Can you meet us to right. look at these three houses? Mm-hmm. And some people love that. And I think mm-hmm. that's great. But I think it's also good to know that that. It wasn't working for us, lifestyle mm-hmm. too. Right. So then what did you do? Well, then I, I kind of realized that, hey, um, you know, I, I, was, I thought I was kind of burnt out on real estate. Your business was taking off. You, were, you had a, a blog for quite some time talking about lifestyle and travel and all those types of things. You had tons of people kind of always asking you like, hey, how do I do this too? Show me how to do this. You had no time for any of that kind of stuff. So I... I don't know. I, I kind of thought, well, maybe there's a, a way that we could work together and we could take that and then we could kind of build an education business around that, showing people how to do what you do. And so that became my primary focus. And okay, so I'm going to call you out. That's a complete lie, too, because it was okay. me coming to you saying, Pete, I can't do this and I really want to do this. And can you please help me? Yes, you were nagging me for a little while. Right. That. I was like, please, can you do this? And we were traveling so much. It's hard to do luxury real estate when you're tra- like I was mm-hmm. saying, you know, and we were traveling like half the year. I like how you always phrase things to be very nice and very like, you know, you're you're being very generous to me. I was like, Pete, I can't do this. Please, I can only keep do this part. I love doing this. But, you know. I knew you could do that, and you did, and so we built that up, right? Yes, yes. And we, that was uh, your lots whole... and lots of students. We had a great time. Five thousand plus students, mm-hmm. th- you know, in our paid premium programs and things. And uh, so, yeah, we, you and know, we had it, millions of dollars in course sales, right? Yeah, so we did very well, right? It was a gr- it was a great business. Mm-hmm. But then, on the other hand, <laughs> I had this itch to really get back into real estate, and I didn't have the r- real passion for that side of things. And uh, so I think we were, you know, looking for for a little bit of a change. And COVID hit. COVID hit. Which yes, was horrible. And, and a big part of our big part of our programs were travel, travel mm-hmm. blogging, show people how to travel and 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 blog about it as well. So that uh, that kind of forced us to to make a move in a way. Uh, but it, it was a uh, it was a good timing because we had wanted to make the move in 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 that way anyhow. So and you were talking about you wanted like I could you kept bringing up different real estate things. But I think you needed that like permission to, okay, we yeah. can, we can move on from this. You know, mm-hmm. this is okay. Not that we're moving on completely. I still do have a blog mm-hmm. and just not active right this second. So, mm-hmm. um, or as active. So we're walking and 
you come tell me you have a great idea that you want to get back into real estate. And I was like, wow, I wonder where you got that from. Like I was pushing you to get into real estate, but you did surprise me because you said you wanted to do land. And what did I say to you? I was like, you're crazy. Yeah. Insane. Mm -hmm. Have fun. (laughs) Well, I had never, you know, you know me, I was never an expert in land. I had never, I didn't know the first thing about it really, but I did know that people were making money with it. I saw them talking about it online really good profit margins. It seemed like a very simple business to me. You know, basically you're sending out letters to generate leads and then you're buying these properties cash off market and then you're putting them on market and reselling them. Seemed very easy to me. Like I could do that. I've always been good at determining value. Right. Like recognizing value. And that was why you worked so well with investors and the banks and everything. They knew and doing those price opinions, they your your values were always spot on. Right, it was so like one thing you could see. It feels like a uh, something that I've always been good at, and I always like, you know. Mm-hmm. So I knew I could recognize value on these properties, and then I kind of talked you into like, hey, I should just give it a shot, and you agreed, and then kind of one thing led to another. So. Well, you proved it worked, and and here we are. Uh, but I think it's interesting because I say that a lot. I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it could be interesting. Last time I was saying something like, I know, or I think, it was something like that. I think. I think. I think that's what I said. You took something that you really enjoy. And I know a lot of people are now saying, oh, you don't have to do things that you enjoy. You just need to make money. I've heard that a lot. And I think that life's like too short to do something you hate. Mm, yeah. So I think, again, it's kind of that you get that high. You don't gamble or anything like no, that. No, I don't gamble. Mm-mm. But it it's that same kind of like thrill, I guess. You know, you find a good deal. It's not even just like when you sell it. You The whole process is gives you endorphins. Mm -hmm. I just like getting wires. Yeah. Well, it's exciting to me. Like I love making a good purchase, purchasing a good piece of property at a good price Mm -hmm. because that's when they say, they always say you make money when you buy, not when you sell. And it's so true. You know, as long as you sell for reasonably close to what market value is, then you're realizing that value that you actually achieved when you purchased the property for a good price. Right. And and then we can also talk about how you could do the Aluvads or value the <laughs> Aluvads. Aluvads, okay? And I, you should all be doing that, the Aluvads. There's just so much that you can do. You could take you can take land and go as far as you want right. or you can flip it really quick. Mm-hmm. It's kind of exciting and there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there, yeah, and it's the true store of value. That's one thing that I really like about it right now because Inflation is obviously still happening now. So in in a, an environment like that where the value like the prices on things continue to go up, mm-hmm. land is one of those things that's going to continue to increase in value if if only just to keep up with inflation. And then you've also got the fact that if you're buying properties in areas that are you know receiving or getting an influx from of population or there things happening in that area, buildings happening, then you know, you're going to get that bump as well. Right. So. Well, the segue to this, what we're talking about today is that, you know, you doing, if you want to do real estate, but you also like to travel or you want to go places, this is a good niche for that. Because what is our topic today? Well, it's how to evaluate land without ever seeing the property mm-hmm. in person. Right. So. And it's, it just works for us because we do it. We will start traveling again more. That mm-hmm. that will happen. We've done the past few summers we've been gone, but it's been kind of good because we realize that you can do this from no matter where you are. So if you want to travel or if you just buy real estate, you don't not where you live. Like we don't buy real estate in California. Right. Yeah. The crazy thing is we buy all these properties always sight unseen. Right. And the technology is available these days, so you can actually do that. You know, way back when. <laughs> we I was like, well, how far and this we- is probably this is probably an experience that kind of kept us from doing this. Oh no, I yes. know you're gonna talk about it. Uh we ended up <laughs> we talked about eBay too. I ended up buying a <laughs> eBay. I, I I was looking on eBay. I always used to look is on eBay. Is that where this came from? Well, I don't I don't really remember specifically. Anyhow. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that you can join our community for free at landconquest.com. Inside, you'll get all the resources, training, and support for building a thriving land-flipping business. Once again, that's landconquest.com. All right, enjoy the rest of the show. I was looking at properties in on eBay, and I saw that they were so cheap in Buffalo, New York. And like homes that were like ten dollars or $15,000, I was like, Heather, we got to buy some of these things. And they've got to be worth more than that. But I didn't really know at the time really what they were worth because this you didn't like, even have access to Zillow or anything like that. This that might have time. been like 2002. Like this was. Yeah. Or, or It was a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. So anyhow, I was looking on eBay and I saw some properties. I was going to bid on them. 
But then I thought, well, maybe I should call an agent in their area to see if he's got any good deals or anything. Anyhow, I get hooked up with an agent there. He found us a deal on a property. At least I thought it was a deal, but I had no really way of knowing. Ended up buying the property. He had a contractor that was going to get it fixed up for us. Contractor ended up just kind of flaking out on us, took some money, did a little bit of work, didn't do all he was supposed to. We had to pay another contractor, I think. To make a long story short, we ended up selling the property, took a long time, maybe a year to sell this flip or something like that. Yeah. And we ended up just breaking even. Right. We didn't lose money, but we didn't didn't make any. The thing was that they got me was it was an old Victorian house. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a cool property. It, it was, was a cool house. Really cool. I and think I, we paid twenty thousand, sold for thirty thousand, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, right around yeah. those numbers. And it seemed insane when you know back then a house in our area you could probably two hundred thousand. Yeah, that was the low three end. bedroom, two yeah. bath kind of right. basic home. And to get one for twenty thousand, I was like, no way. And then we were, and the rent. The other thing too was that the rental prices were were yeah, decent. they were great. Yeah. So that was our whole intention was just to buy it, fix uh-huh. it up, and and rent it out. Um, you know, those I looked at those same ones are going for like 180, yeah, 200,000 now. Yeah. But we learned a good lesson that no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, the, the thing, it was so different back then. There was no information. Right. right. You know, there was no way to actually evaluate these properties the unless you had someone good on the ground. Like you had, you right. had no. you had no way of, of doing the process. Like it mm-hmm. just didn't work back then the way it does now. And that kind of segues into what we're doing now. Like we have these tools available to us now that are just unbelievable. We can see so much just from our computer screen, wherever we're at in the world, you know, it could be sitting at my desk here in California. And I can tell so much about a property enough to know if it's a good deal or not enough to know if I want to buy it or not, what price I need to buy it at, all that kind of stuff. After we're under contract, then we go a step further and we, we take the extra steps in, into the due diligence mm-hmm. process. But that initial stage, like we can tell most everything about the property just with these tools. So, right. And we can now that like back then, couldn't have looked up to see if the agent had good reviews. Nothing about the contractor. I don't even know if we could have checked to see if he was actually like, you know, licensed no, or anything. Probably could have called the right. contractor. But board. We, I don't right, know. but we would. Okay. And then the other thing too, that also we use now is we, there was no centralized system to hire photographers. Mm, there was yes. no, that would have made a huge difference. And we could have stayed on top of the contractor getting pictures. It's just a whole different world. I, and I think that a lot of people can do flips from far away now. No mm-hmm. problem. Yep. No so problem. We've got a couple that were, Two, two different properties that we're remodeling right now and mm-hmm. we're not there no uh, but and it's totally different mm-hmm. absolutely different so let's yeah let's get into this was there anything else we were talking about before we jump uh, in no i believe that was it yeah so you know we're going to talk about some of the tools that we actually use in order to evaluate these properties and you know that's as of this recording right now there's always new tools new apps that are coming out so we're always on the lookout for better options or better, more efficient ways to do things. So this is what we're using right now. What is, what's today's date? What are we, when are we recording this? Well, we're recording this on June 27th. Okay. So if you're watching this like a year or listening to this- 2023. 2023. <laughs> yeah. A year from now, go into the community right, and see, get you know current things. But you've been using these for a while, so I don't anticipate them- disappearing you know tomorrow right, but, but we might find a better option right know. or more options will become as this becomes even more popular people will create solutions maybe you'll create a solution yes i've always thought about that so yeah. where's the community oh uh, it's at landconquest.com Very good. so that's where our community is that's where our full training program which has just been released is is housed so you need to be a member of the community which is free but then you get access to the training program which is not just some throwaway free course that you're used to getting free by giving your email or something like that. This is a full-fledged training program, very extensive, and you'd likely pay thousands of dollars from it from another provider. Just realize your voice is all back. It's back. It was right. gone for a couple of days. Yeah, well, couple, it was gone for a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah, I got sick and then, you know, I don't know. And we ostracized you and none of us got it. Um, yeah. So go to the community. The other thing too is um, you join the community for free. The program is also free. So it's just that it's housed in the community. Right. Yep. That's it. And you have to be a member of the community to get it. That's uh, 500 million people have already taken the course. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe by the time you're listening to that, that's the case. I don't 500 know. 500 million. Starting to get shared a lot, so which is good. That's yeah. what I need. You know, like the whole point of doing this is to get, you know, grow our community as much as we can. And I need people to share it. So share it with others and your friends and anyone that could, you know, find it valuable. Yeah. And the thing is, they're not making any more land, but thankfully there's enough for everyone to do this. Um, And not everyone will do it. 
mm-hmm. because as no. you go into it, it you do have to, it's, you know, you do have to take steps to be successful at it. But that's what I think is so cool. That barrier to entry is pretty low, but it's enough that it's going to keep out people who just won't do it. All right. It's it's actually very low because we've got a program <laughs> set you up. Did it. Huh? I'm just kidding. You set yourself up for that one. Yes. Ha ha, Heather. <laughs> I think it's very low because, you know, I think I know a lot of people that when they first hear about this concept of land flipping, they're like, okay, that sounds really cool, but I don't have the spare funds to actually purchase these properties. Mm -hmm. So, and we've got a solution for you. If you go to partnerwithpete.com, you'll see that what we do is we partner with our students on deals. So we'll actually spend the money to buy these properties. We'll put it through our whole due diligence and evaluation process. Hire the photographer to go out there, do all the steps, hire the agent, handle the transactions on both sides of the deal. And then at the end of the day, we split the profits 50-50. Right. So you, all you'd have to do is just, bring, you bring the deal. You bring the so deal. So if you love, if that's your thing, you love the deals, but the rest of it is, you know, a hassle to you. You bring the deals and we take over the rest. Yeah. And obviously there's expenses with that side of things. I mean, you've got to set up a website, you've got to set up a a phone answering solution. You've got to do things like that. You've got to be sending out the mail to to generate the the Mm -hmm. deals. But once you get those deals, um, we can hopefully, if if it's an actual deal, we can partner and we can do the deal together. So let's jump in here. Um, You have a, you gave me kind of a cheat sheet that you took some points from the training program. Right. So you're, where do you want to start? Well, when we're evaluating land, there's Mm -hmm. kind of a couple different sides of that. There's the initial evaluation. And then after we get a property under contract, there's the more in-depth evaluation. So I'm just kind of going to go through the tools that we use and kind of the process we use to, to sort of evaluate these properties, how, do we, how, how we do that remotely. So best to start with the initial evaluation. This is like when someone responds to one of our letters or one of our offers that we send out in this the mail. Like the first thing you yeah, do. Yeah. First thing we do, yeah, is we check out the property. And what we, what, first thing I always do is pull up a map of the property. What are you looking for first thing? Yeah. So, well, I use a program, first of all, called Land ID. It used to be called MapRite. Now they rebranded to Land ID. So first thing I'm looking at is you're looking at the satellite images. It basically, it pulls up the satellite images. It pulls up an outline of the lot lines of the property. And then I'll look at, you know, first of all, what is, are there trees on this property? Is it farmland? Is it swampland? You know, I can see all those things from the satellite images. Plus are those have- like current satellite images? Yeah, so they have uh, they have different satellite images that you can select from. So some of them are pretty current. Some of them may be a little bit older, you know, three, four or five years old, something like that, depending on the area. So you know, some areas where they're more popular get photographed more, re- uh, you know, more often than kind of more Like rural. the Mojave Desert is yeah. not going to get as much. It's not right. going to change much either. Right. Okay. So I look at land ID. So I'm looking for things like I look at the frontage, you know, is there is the property butted up against a public roadway? You know, that's that's a good thing. Is there swamp land there or is it, a, you know, a pond there? Any of those type of water is it features. underwater? Yes. I also look at the contours of the property, mm-hmm. you know, to see is it flat land? Is it rolling? Is it on the side of a cliff? Any of those types of things are really important. And then also from the satellite images, you can see kind of what the surrounding neighborhood is like. How is this lot positioned, you know, in proximity to major roadways or to get to the nearest town? Things like that are all important too. What is different from that and Google Maps? Google Maps? Well, Google Maps, you could just, you could see satellite images on there, but you generally don't see the lot lines. In some areas, they do have those parcel lines on there, but there's a lot more information with Land ID. You can put these overlays on. So basically, you you press uh, like uh, wetlands and it'll overlay if there's wetlands on the property. FEMA flood zone, you can do the same thing with there. Uh, you can select different satellite images for the base map. You can select, you know, all, all kinds of different options. You can see the utilities. You can see all kinds of stuff. So more than you can do with Google Maps. Google Maps. Okay. And then there's Google Earth. What is that and how would you use it? Yeah, Google Earth Pro, and it's a free tool. Mm-hmm. And basically what you, what it does is it's a very kind of detailed graphical representation of the property. So it's got kind of a history of the satellite images, which is very interesting. So some of these properties, you can go back and they've got satellite images from this year, you know, and every year back to maybe, you know, 1985 or something like that, where it's black and white. Yeah, it's very interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, And it's actually black and white. Yeah. 
Yeah. But then, because you might be able to see like something where, oh, it was used for a hog farm, I, theoretically, yeah. or some. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Sometimes you see an old house on there that's no longer there. Sometimes you uh, see roads or paths on there that are, you know, grown over. Which, you know, then they theoretically are could, still there. Could, could even be if, access, you know, right. it could be official access. Like, how did they get here before? Oh, this is what has been used. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's interesting. So if you found one that didn't look like it had access, you might want to go through that and see, well, wait a minute. Yeah. And some areas it's really useful, too, because you could see. You know, maybe one was taken in the wintertime when there's snow and there's no leaves oh, on yeah. the trees and you can see the roads then, but you can't see it in the summertime when there's, you know, the trees have leaves on them and things like that. So it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of research that you can do if you really dig in, you can kind of measure the property, you know, say sometimes on the map, you see all these lot outlines and it doesn't make sense. It's saying it's a 15 acre property, but it looks mm-hmm. a lot smaller than that. So you can actually measure it on the map and see how many acres it is. You can get a street view from there, you know, the, like the Google Maps street view. You can put it next to the parcel and see if there's a street view of the property. So that's interesting. You can also see the the contours of a property. You know, even if there's no street view, you can put, uh, they have a little man that you can drop on there. And mm-hmm. then you could see kind of how the property is, you know, actually, you know, the contours of the property, get a feel for it. So it's a very interesting tool. Yeah, that, that to me, like the historical thing seems like invaluable, invaluable. Mm-hmm. But also my personality, you wouldn't see me for like three days. Yeah, it, you can get lost down a rabbit hole in that. Because it's just interesting. That's kind mm-hmm. of, it's really kind of cool. And that's another thing, like we, even 20 years ago, we didn't have. No, no, that stuff wasn't available. No, not no. like that. No. That's really cool. Okay. Um, and then you have, um, what's the next one? Country GIS? Oh, County GIS. County. <laughs> Could Don't be mind me. Yes. Uh, so the County GIS, Geographic Information System. Okay. Every county has a you know, records of all the parcels in that county. Now, most counties are online these days and have this GIS system they call most, it. You most. Said most, because that's an interesting distinction. Yeah, there are some very rural counties that don't have a lot of things going on where they don't have this. But for the most part, they have this website. And it's a free website. And basically, you go on there and you can look up maps of a property. You can look, sometimes they've got utility information or zoning information, all kinds of these different things kind of overlaid onto these maps. So it's kind of like a uh, poor man's land ID (laughs) (laughs) in a way. So it's a free version of that. It's just a little bit more cumbersome sometimes. These websites aren't as kind of slick as as some of the paid options that are out there. But maybe to get started, that wouldn't be, and to understand how it works. And now, have you ever found anything in in the county GIS that hasn't shown in the paid, like the Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, so do you do both always? Not always. No. no. But sometimes, if there's missing information and on the land ID, then we'll always go to the county GIS and see what that looks like. Maybe they've got more information that, than land ID does. So you so. probably have a not probably. I know you do. You have a checklist, right? And if you can't find all the answers, then you would go to county GIS. But if it, you wouldn't just if you get all your answers, it's normally these are the things you need to know. You're not going to be looking for something that. If, you don't right. know. Okay. Yeah. And some counties have really good information that they share to other apps and things. And sometimes it, that sharing connection is not there. So that's why we have to go to the county GIS sometimes okay. to, to get more data. And then, okay, well, that brings me to actually on your little cheat sheet, it says, talk about your land and the oh. checklist. That's funny. I oh, didn't okay. even. Yes. Well, I've got this checklist and this is just printed out black and white, but the other version looks a lot better. But basically, I've got a land evaluation checklist where these are all the basic things that we go through, you know, like access, wetlands, FEMA flood zone, topography, the landscape on the property, you know, trees, meadow, farmland, whatever it is, and neighboring properties. So I've got a little checklist, things that you can go through yourself to kind of make sure you're covering the major points on an initial evaluation on the property. So that's for free, along with many other handouts and checklists and things like that as part of our uh, land Clipping training program called Land Conquest. Thank you. The, the problem is that when you're first starting, you don't know what you need to know. That's it when what you need to look out for or what you just, you don't even know what you need no, to know. Like it goes back to that. I didn't when I started. And I had, no. I'd been in real estate for nearly 20 years at that point. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of takes that, um, it mitigates that issue. Mm-hmm. You know, you're telling them this is what you need to know. And then the community also is a backup to that, that save a question on it. Or, I mean, the whole training program will cover all that, but still sometimes you want reinforcement or you want to talk about something. And the actual community component of our free training program is pretty cool too. Yeah, really cool. Um, We actually have some uh, comments and questions that were sent to us. So I'll be 
Are you looking to scale your land flipping business quickly? Well, we're happy to present our new cutting edge system built specifically for land flippers. Take a look at the Land Conquest business system today and you'll gain full access to a customizable pre-made website, CRM, dedicated phone numbers, text automations, 24-7 support, and more. It's basically a business in the box. Go to software.landconquest.com to learn more. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So we generally do that as part of our podcast. Mm-hmm. We answer questions from the community and sometimes some comments we'll throw in there as well. Yes. But- Let's finish this though. Um, so online tools to figure out what a property is worth. Okay. Cause that's separate than, okay. I've, I realized that this thing's not underwater. It doesn't have a hog farm. It wasn't an old ammunition factory. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like coming up with these. I need your coffee. You're just okay. there sipping coffee and I'm like falling asleep. How do you know it's coffee? Could be, you know, vodka for all you know. Yeah, I could try. <laughs> you don't drink, but okay. That'd be, that would actually make a very interesting podcast. <laughs> um, it's at like we're we're filming in the in the mid afternoon. Do you guys get mm. like that too? Like where it's kind of. I need coffee in the afternoon yeah, because otherwise like, I'll be falling asleep. Like I'm excited to talk about this, but at the same point, I'm like my words are not making quite as much sense. So you you figured out that the property is good, you like it, you want to buy it, but now you need to figure out how much it's really worth. You know, yes. and did you send a good? Was your offer price on? Mm-hmm. Do they want more? Whatever. So right. where do you go for that? What tools are we using, even though we're not there? Right. So believe it or not, we use online tools available to everyone in order to evaluate these properties, the pricing on the properties. We use Zillow. We use Redfin. We use Realtor.com for the most part. Right. And uh, in most counties, this is public data. This is public information. And that's right. why they just have aggregate tools that they use to right. to create this. Now, I know someone asked us this before. I read it, read it in the community. But do you think that Zillow's Estimated prices are good to go. Can you just go off of Zillow's estimated prices? No. There you go. For land, it just doesn't work. Right. Unless you're looking at a, a subdivision where there's been a lot of land sales and all the land is exactly the same. I could see how it might be somewhat accurate, but it's it's going off of sales data. And the problem is that one 10-acre property in a particular county, a particular area may be completely different than another 10-acre property. You know, one's farmland and one's a swamp. You know, they're two different values. So there's no way that they know the difference between these properties. It's just an automated valuation tool. And so e- it's not accurate. Right. Yeah. And even like we learned back when doing the um, REOs and BPOs and all that kind of stuff, you would be doing the the broker price opinion and or or you would get asked to do a second opinion on an, an appraisal or something. And mm-hmm. you could look at the comps and be like, yeah, they're both, you know, 2000 square foot houses, but they're completely different. Right. And that's a big thing you got to keep in mind with mm-hmm. land. You know, you're not just looking at a 10 acre property. You're looking at, is this property very similar to the property that I've got that I'm evaluating? Are you looking at, if you got a piece of farmland that you're evaluating, is the comp a piece of farmland also? Or is the comp on the side of a mountain? You know, just because it's 10 acres doesn't mean it's the same. It's completely different. Right. I mean, a really like stark um, contrast or an example of that would be like here in Southern California, you could buy a third of an acre. One has an ocean view and one doesn't. Right. That's going to make a huge difference. Five times worth five times as much, yeah. right? I mean, like the, it's just as obvious, but these machines can't figure that out. No, all right. I'm actually eventually AI will figure that out. Right, they'll be a, be able to pull up all those other things that you talked about and actually have their eyes look at it and yeah. establish it. But for right now, no. But it's so how if these aren't good, if you can't just use like the estimated prices, then how are you using them? Yeah. So basically, what you're doing is you're using these sites in order to find properties that are very similar. So you look at sales that happen in that area, similar size, similar type of property. You look at the pictures, you look at all the information that's on the listing, and you try to find comparable properties that have sold. And then that's how you get your pricing. So, And when you go to resell it, these are how that your buyers are pricing it too. Right. If they've got a good agent, they're doing the exact same thing. They're pulling comps. They're showing them. Yeah. They're like, that, that one over on that street was very similar and it sold for this amount. This one should be very similar. You right. Know? So the, you know, that's, the, that's the way they're thinking about it because they're looking at all these properties too. And they may have gone to look at them in, in person. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you're out of whack with what's going on in the market, you're just, it's just not going to work. So, worst thing you could do is be overly optimistic in what a property is worth. So, in land, it's almost like an art in a way because no two properties are the same. I mean, right. it's, very, it's very difficult to find that situation. So, you've got to make little adjustments here and there. And um, when you're making these adjustments, it's always good to be conservative because if you beat your initial projection, that's great. Mm -hmm. But 
the worst thing is to buy a property for too much and then not be able to sell it for what you paid for it. Right. Know? That would be, yeah, that would be uh, the. I you, mean, it, it's going to happen at some point, but, you, you know. You keep saying that. Oh, it will, you know. Uh, we've done a lot of property. We've sold a lot of properties and haven't lost any money yet, but I'm going to knock on wood, even though this table is concrete. Uh, <laughs> we'll pretend. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, the, our whole goal is don't lose money. Right. Don't lose money. Yeah. It's simple enough. And you're right. You're going to have extreme winners. You're going to have duds mm-hmm. and they're going to balance each other out and you're not going to kick yourself about it. You're just going to move on. Right. And learn from it and, and go to the next one. Right. And I try, I try to be conservative. You know, like I could buy a lot more properties than we actually do. But I, I want to be pretty sure that what I'm buying is, is a deal. Okay. So those are, you said Zillow, Redfin, Realtor.com. Yeah, that's Actually, how we value our property. Any of those, I mean, there's a ton of them out there that pull the same stuff. Mm-hmm, so right. you could go to any of them and they're going to have the same. Yeah. Result. And some, it's interesting. Some in certain areas have more data than others. And I don't know why that is. But. You know what else I've seen is that some of the private, um, like the, I don't know if it's Coldwell Banker, but some of those type ones, those, their search engines will pull up historical stuff that the other ones won't. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So, I don't know. You could see if it was listed before. Mm-hmm. Um, and and these are all supplements to what well, you're going to get into this. Uh, uh, well, kind of, we'll get into it, but like having a good agent on the ground. This right. is just your initial thing. This is the initial evaluation. Right. Yeah. This is before we get under contract. So this is the kind of initial stuff to see if we want to actually buy this property or to figure out what kind of price we need mm-hmm. to be at in order to buy the property. Right. And so. we have other things we've talked about using agents. So you can you can listen to those podcasts, but they're going to be the ones that and also, you know, the the broker side of these like Realtor.com, which is Zillow and Redfin are pulling that same information right. from them. We always talk about it like, well, what do the confidential remarks say? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I can't see that if I go to Realtor.com, but if you use the local MLS, you can do that. And mm-hmm. then there's also, you know, you could there's um, partnerships with different MLSs, but your broker or agent, I use the term interchangeably, even though they're different. Your real estate professional on the ground is going to be able to look at confidential remarks. So if you're saying, I'm using this as a comp, they would be able to tell you. Yeah, they might be able to say, uh, well, th- that one, uh, there's some notes in there about it being a toxic waste dump. Right, right, so. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so you just want to look into that. Yeah. So we've got our initial evaluation, and then we do our more extensive evaluation. So everything up to this point was just the initial stuff. That's the initial stuff before we get under contract. After we get under contract, then there's further layers of research that we do on these properties. It's called due diligence. And, uh, you know, this is all done remotely as well. These are not things that we're actually, you know, doing, on the, ground. The, yeah, right. doing on the ground or anything like that. So we have ways to do all this research without actually being at the property. We've talked about a bunch of these before, but like, so a photographer, we hire a yeah. photographer to take pictures. Right. One of the sites that we use where we find photographers in new areas where we don't have contacts mm-hmm. ready is a site called Droners.io. You can post your assignment on there. And in most areas, they've got really good coverage. There are people, uh, photographers, drone photographers. They do on the ground, but they also do the drone shots as well. And, just, uh, and many of them are used to evaluating land like this, like we're looking for. And so. it's fun. It's, I mean, it's a way for them to use their drones to, right. to make money. But yeah, it's, and I, that's like the big misconception is that it's not just drones. Mm-hmm. They can take pictures on the ground. Right. And then you can use those pictures to evaluate. And some agents even use those same pictures as, in the listings. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, bought, we do the photos with the dual purpose. Mm-hmm. We're evaluating the properties. We're asking them to do a little report on each property that they go see. And then we're also planning to use those on the marketing side of things if we need to. Right. And the funny thing, too, is that they not funny. I don't know why I said funny, but ha um, <laughs> is that these people, since they're local to the area and they're droners, they, you know, they actually do know they have kind of a unique knowledge of some of the land. Yeah. Some of them that we work with are just excellent. They, they write, you know, extensive, extensive reports. Yeah. They give us all kinds of videos and mm-hmm. things like that. And just a lot of information where. You know, they'd probably do a better job evaluating the property on the ground than I would. Right. I know. But, That's, but it's so different because, again, we talk about you grew up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. We, you've lived more than half your life now here in California. Um, and we've been all around the East Coast, all around the country, really. And it's so different. Like if having I've only really spent most of my time in Southern California. I go out to the East Coast, like Pennsylvania. And like you guys have changes of le- like I don't know about the different types of trees mm-hmm. so if I were the one evaluating it I'd be like there's trees right and they know they're like oh no this has the really good blah 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 yeah. trees they haven't been forested it's got this you know mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to tell you that right so you're actually using that local knowledge but again you know 20 something years ago we would never have been able to find these people I guess we could have placed an ad in the newspaper and waited mm-hmm. right please call us yeah 
Uh, next thing we do is big, kind of a big thing over us is we use uh, brokers and we've talked about that mm -hmm. for a broker opinion. So <laughs> that's kind of a more extensive thing. But, mm -hmm. you know, we use those sites like Zillow or Redfin.com or whatever to find some of these agents when we're looking for them in a new area where we don't have a contact. So, right. We want only the best. Right. And we want people that have um, a lot of listings and that have sold a yeah. lot because they're going to know. Again, they're going to know. They'll know the special disclosures. They're going to know what to look out for that we wouldn't know because yeah. we don't live there, especially our properties in New Mexico. In New Mexico. We don't have anything in New Mexico. I was just testing you. Okay. Not that I know of, at least. <laughs> Would you, uh, have you ever looked into New Mexico? Uh, no, no. Well, I see some people doing some deals in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Just not know. as hot. Right. Well, it's very hot, especially this time of year, but not mm -hmm. active. Yes. I told myself that I was never going to go back to New Mexico. I drove out from Pennsylvania to California after college to move out here. And we went through New Mexico and I was like, I didn't really like this place. I had a weird feeling to me. And then I made you drive back through it two years ago. Yeah, I so if you live country. in New Mexico, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be offensive. It just it didn't seem to. No, there's some pretty places. It's just that it, it also was just wasn't like my scene. Desolate. It was very desolate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also yeah. there was big signs. We were staying in a decent hotel and I was like, we're not responsible if your car gets completely smashed in and and. You know, Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, probably not. We shouldn't be judging New Mexico by Albuquerque. Right. But I guess you've seen more of it. Anyways, um, hate mail to Pete at. Oh, OK. No. Uh, OK, so then we've got the title report. And obviously that's something that's done remotely. We hire a closing company to do that side of things for us. We don't have to be anywhere local. We don't have to go to the closing. Uh, we use either we close uh, by sending documents by FedEx or UPS or we do an online notary to, to actually do the closing. So it's never a situation where we actually physically have to be there and sitting at the closing table. No, which so. is, again, a really strange thing because here we don't do table close. Right. And we don't show up to closing closings yeah. or mm -hmm. anything. You know, both parties execute the contracts and all that kind of stuff, but not together normally. Right. Um, but it was funny because I saw an email today. It was like, our closing will be at 4 p.m. at blah, blah, blah. Right. So I was like just laughing because the agents still go. But we don't ever have to. Yeah. We don't have to. It's all done remotely. Yeah. And even some places are doing where you can do the notary online, which I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. Wish more yep. people would do that. Yeah. It'll be evolving to, towards that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I always point out every single time is that we're big on doing, using a closing company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have. Yeah, you have to. I mean, I, unless you're doing ultra cheap properties, maybe, you know, a couple thousand dollars or something like that. I, w I would imagine that you'd want your investment protected. You want to make sure you have title insurance. You want to make sure everything is good with the paperwork before you actually send your money to actually purchase it. Right. And I like uh, on both sides, everyone knows what they're buying and what they're selling. Right. Like, I think it just is a very a necessary thing. And, necessary. Right. And if you, California, we use escrow companies, but there's some country, or countries, um, some states where they do, the attorneys do it. Attorneys, yep. And some, some is just a title, title company. Yeah. Right. So figure out what the norm is for your area. And really, it doesn't cost that much more. Write it into... It's just a, an expense you have to factor in. Mm -hmm. You have to fa factor in closing costs into your deal. So you just write that number in and that's use that as part of your evaluation. So right. don't and try to skimp on that part because it's just not, not a good idea. No, it's running a real business. Mm -hmm. You're creating a business and it's just part of what needs to happen. So yeah. Um, and then calling the county and the city. Yeah. So obviously that can be done remotely. You know, mm -hmm. we're calling the county or the city and asking them about different restrictions on the property, building requirements, any of those types of questions that we have. We have a long checklist of those questions as well, which is part of the training program. But, you know, that that type of due diligence, that further type of research can all be done remotely. Last thing you call you. Sometimes we email them too, by the way. So, oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. I, anytime we can email and get it in writing. Is, yeah, much better. Much is, better. Yeah. Um, and then you call utilities. Yeah, utilities, you know, to verify availability of certain mm -hmm. utilities at property like is there electric there is there a sewer there is there a water line there you know those type of things yeah and sometimes they'll even tell you like that if there's a reason no and there right. never will be and we will so as you can see this whole process this whole evaluation it, whether it's the initial evaluation or more extensive evaluation can be done remotely and we've got a solution for every single aspect of that because we've been doing it for so long now so perfect well i'm pulling up these Questions and comments that I was oh, sent okay. over. Oh, okay. So, yes, these are obviously our questions from our land flipping community or land conquest community. And if you're interested in joining, which I hope you are, go to landconquest.com and then you'll see orange buttons on that site. Click any one of those and you'll be taken to the community in order to sign up. So, I want to figure out if there's a way that people can submit voice questions 
I know you can do like voice memos and then mm. you can email them. Yeah. But um, I wanted to see if, we could, if there's a way to do that in the group too. And then you can answer those because yeah. it's easier for That'd people. Be great. Just we to... could set up something for that. I'm sure. Yeah. So where could they reach out if they wanted to do that? Well, you have to set up the system first. Yeah. Pete doesn't do anything without I'll a system. I'll let you know. Okay. Um, okay. So anyways, um, let's get to the first one. John says strategies to sell. Hi all. I was able to acquire a couple of parcels and wondering what are some of the best strategies to sell your property aside from using a realtor. Thanks. <gasps> John, John is John. About selling your property without a realtor. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not even one anymore. You just broke my heart. <laughs> You know, obviously we're, we're a big fan of using a realtor. And I know that, I know that, you know, it's, it's sometimes a little tempting that you want to save that commission generally doesn't work out that you're you're not going to be able to get top dollar like a real estate agent would. No. And I know that there's some less than stellar agents out there, real estate professionals out there. Like Mm -hmm. there, there are, but that's why it goes, watch our podcast where we talk about how to find a really good one. Mm -hmm. And I think if you find one, that's amazing. It'll, you will be like, why did I even bother? Right. Because they're going to get you more money. Yeah. They're going to make sure that you're covered with disclosures. Mm-hmm. They're going to handle all the phone calls. They're going to handle the showings. Your job is just to find properties. Yeah. Get more deals. That's right. how you're going to make your money. But anyhow, I am going to answer John's question. So what are some other things you can do to market a property? There's Facebook Marketplace. I feel like we need to have some sad music. <laughs> well, here's another thing. Sometimes- You can some supplement these, it. Yeah. Some, sometimes some of these properties are- so inexpensive. And I don't know what the price range of this property is, but maybe this is below the price range that a realtor would accept. Like mm-hmm. below $10,000, you're going to have a hard time getting a real estate agent to like want to market that, that listing for you because they're not going to make any money. Right. I know. I guess you could do one of those self-listing ones, right? Yes. Yeah, so you could do you could do a flat fee MLS listing mm-hmm. service. Basically, it costs probably about $100 in most areas. And then they'll put it, you enter it in, you represent yourself pretty much. So other agents may be calling you or buyers may be calling you directly. It just and gets, then it it gets it listed in gets the it MLS. Gets it in Zillow, gets it in, yeah. in all those places mm-hmm. and in the MLS. Okay, and you said Facebook Marketplace. Facebook Marketplace. What is about a good one. eBay? Do people still do it on eBay? Yeah, I think for the really inexpensive properties, mm-hmm. you might have some luck on eBay. Craigslist? There's Craigslist. Yeah. Some areas Craigslist is still happening. Some areas Craigslist is- Just for illegal to, activities. I'm yeah, just kidding. I don't just, know that. There's not a lot of- actual that like legitimate be really business going cool. on. Yeah. Craigslist was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it kind of got weird. Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of areas. I don't know. I'm sure there's even ones where if it's if you're local to it, you could put up flyers or do you have a great deal under contract? We'll submit it to partnerwithpete.com. The Partner with Pete program is a deal funding program where we will actually use our funds to complete the purchase of the property. We will do every other step of the process, including the due diligence, the transaction side, the marketing side, and the transaction on the resale side. And when all the dust settles, we will split the profits 50-50. There is no downside for you as an investor, only upside. So once again, go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and let's get it funded. Yep. Letters there's there's or... things like uh, putting a sign on the property, you know, just kind of for sale by Isn't owner. It's funny? Forget about the most basic, yeah, like it's old true. school. It's mm-hmm. true. You can send out neighbor letters and neighbor letters. Basically, you'll pick 50 to 100 neighbors kind of on a build a list of the closest neighbors and say, hey, I'm selling this property. Wanted to offer it to you and at a really good price. And here's what I've got. So call me if you're interested. So that's that's actually very effective. And uh, so those are the main things. There's other sites like land.com, Landwatch, but they generally require a subscription. They're pretty pricey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've heard of people having success, you know, with some of these really inexpensive properties to put them on TikTok, put them on, you know, uh, Instagram, things like that. But, you know, I think you've got to have a little bit of a following or maybe do something really unique so that the video, you know, starts taking off in some way. Hire influencers in the area to talk about it. You could do all kinds of things like that. How would you like a TikTok dance on the property? Right. And then another way, you know, if you're selling some inexpensive property, maybe I was kind of joking, by the way, sell it for (laughs) uh, sell it uh, with owner financing or Mm -hmm. something like that. Maybe that'd help as well. Anyhow, those are just some ideas, but it is possible. Yeah, I think that's you bring up something interesting, though, just being um, creative. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be afraid to try different things. This works mostly with the lower priced yeah, ones. The cheaper properties, uh-huh. yeah. Or super unique ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But you're not necessarily going to get the best bang yeah. for your buck. Is that what you normally yeah, say? Yeah, you know, and it's a, it's difficult. It's a, it's a job to actually take the, all those calls and messages and, you know, coordinate 
you know, mm-hmm. things. And then when an offer comes in, do you really know what you're doing to evaluate that offer? Anyhow. I don't know. I, I feel like I always have to stay on top of you not to do all the things just because you can do all the things. Yeah. Like you're in your mind, you're like, okay, I could do, you know, I could do all of that. I could list it. Cause I mean, you're a real estate broker. You're not licensed there, mm-hmm. but you, you could do the flat, whatever. And I have, I have right. in certain areas where I wasn't able to find a good real estate agent. Uh-huh. But, but I feel like I always say like, is this your best use of time? Mm-hmm. And I just worry if that's his best use of time. Mm-hmm. Best use of time. Right. Anyways. Okay. So Jean has a question three levels down. Oh, wow. Okay. How is everyone enjoying the course so far? I think Heather Reese has done a phenomenal job and has been insanely thorough with everything. Okay. That might've said Pete Reese. Oh, okay. Since I'm not in this course at all. Yes. But, okay. I said Pete Reese. He literally built it so that he could pull everyone, anyone off the street, show them these videos and they can be successful. Pete, thanks for pulling me off the street. Wow. That is a compliment I have never heard before. Yes. Thank you. I'm going to do Thank you for pulling me off the street. Okay. Well, you're welcome, Gene. I appreciate uh, you being here and I appreciate the comment. I know there was no question involved there, but I just kind of put it in there. So it was a surprise for me. And I, I curate appreciate it, these Jean. questions for Heather to read. Right. And I lost my husband for months. I should say lost. My husband was preoccupied for months getting this done. So it's, you know, it's my accomplishment. It's too. not crap. No. This is, this is a qual. I'm trying to tell people this is a quality thing. <laughs> I think they'll find see. out for yourself. You'll right. see. Okay, so Dakota has the next one. Incredible value. I'm ju- wow. Okay, right. another one. Okay. I'm just getting into the bulk of the training course, and I'm blown away by the value and quality of the content offered for free. Thank you to all who made this possible. Can't wait to get up and running. Well, thank you, Dakota. I take that personally. Yes. Also, P. Reese, who did all the work. Yes. Well, that's awesome. Uh, we have a great team that helped in a lot of aspects of that as definitely. well. Definitely. So. Yeah, definitely. And that's I, that's the whole thing I keep stressing is like the whole you need a good team. Right. I think that's why I take offense to the realtor thing. Mm-hmm. Again, I sold how many properties my whole entire life as a real estate agent? One, maybe? It was three, but three. thank you okay. very much. I was the top agent for okay. like yes. one month. And I realized that that if you find the right one, they'll go to bat for you. But it's, yep. but it's like that for everything that we've done, having the right people. Yep. And I think that's why the deal partnering is such a big deal because anyone who's not interested in doing all that back end, they're going to be able to use all of our top team people. Right. Okay. And then from Alex, he says um, he has a potential deal question. Hi, I have a potential deal in the pipeline, but the seller is technically a trust. And that person is the person on the trust that wants to sell it to me. Who should I go for to for advice for this? Have any of you ran into this type of transaction before? Both parties really want to get this deal done, but I'm not familiar with trust and how that all works. And if a trust is a seller for the parcels, any help is appreciated. Thanks, guys. Yes. Okay. So this happens a lot. Mm-hmm. A trust is actually just an entity and a trust is... Uh, a very common way it's like to a holding hold, entity. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, very common way to hold title in a property. So this is nothing weird. It's very typical, and a, and a lot of the properties you come across will be held in a trust or an LLC or some other sort of entity or something like that. So in, in this case, you want to make sure that the person that you're dealing with is a uh, authorized signer for the trust. Uh, but as far as any of the paperwork requirements or anything like that, basically you get the property under contract. And then you hand it over to the title company or escrow, and they will take care of all the paperwork needs. They will make sure that they get the trust paperwork and the proper you know, people signing the final docs and things like that. So it's nothing to be worried about. It's very typical. It's not a problem at all. Right. It doesn't change anything. It's right. just how they're holding it. Right. So, And also, yeah, you make sure, but they're also going to verify on the other side, too. If right. you go through a title company or a closing company, that's the benefit. Yep. Okay. Michael Alexander says... How low is too low? Can someone please tell me if a thousand dollar a month mailing budget is enough to get going? And if so, what kind of results can I expect? Okay, a thousand dollars a month is going to be maybe a tough, maybe tough to get the mailing side things going. The way I look at it is, and I've been upfront about this, it takes me about three thousand dollars in mail costs in order to get one deal. Now. We are pretty picky about the deals that we move forward with, and we're also targeting larger properties at this point. If I were to target less expensive properties, I know I could get that number down like a lot. You mm-hmm. know, I know people, I know land investors that are averaging about $1,000 in mail costs per deal. So keep in mind, if you're doing $1,000 a month in mail costs, you would probably want to spend a lot of effort into really refining your list. If you had a really refined list, and you were going after kind of less expensive properties, I could see how that would work. But maybe, what do you maybe mean you would average by lesser expensive? Uh, less expensive properties, maybe properties in the five to twenty thousand dollar 
you know, price range, mm-hmm. purchase price range. A lot of the properties that we're buying now are 30 to 500,000, somewhere in that mm-hmm. range. So those are a little harder to get, I guess. But when you get them, they're, they have a better profit margin. Where it makes sense that a $3,000 acquisition cost is is nothing comparison to the... Yeah, potential profit of the Right. Deal. I yeah. think that if I were in that situation, I had $3,000, I mean, $1,000, I would start, if you could, maybe do... I mean, you don't want to put all your budget for the whole year into one mailing because mm-hmm. inevitably your first mailing might not go perfect because you're still learning, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But what if you could do 1500 to 2000 for the first one? Mm-hmm. And... Then the second one, like if you could save up or build up to that level, I think that's probably a better place if you're going for the smaller ones. And then you're more likely to spell the smaller ones even quicker. You could use some of that money. Like, yes. what do you think? How, like, how well, would you do it? What would you uh, do? You know, if I was, if I was kind of stuck on that budget, what mm-hmm. I would do is kind of, I would pick areas that maybe are not as competitive because the really competitive areas, it's going to cost you it's going to take more letters basically in order to land a deal. Mm-hmm. But when you do land a deal, they sell quickly. Right. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. So I think I would go after areas that are not as busy. Maybe, you know, I wouldn't say slow, but not necessarily really super busy either. So I would go after an area like that, more rural. Things are selling, but, you know, not a hot area by any means. I would then refine that list down as much as possible. Maybe I would look at things like out of area landowners, something like that. Like mm-hmm. a list like that may be more responsive than just kind of a general list to everyone. Mm-hmm. So I would look at ideas like that to kind of refine my list down. And then you're, you've just got an ultra targeted list and then you'll probably have a better response rate. And then would you do more of the things yourself to have more money to, to spend towards? Well, personally, me, if I was in mm-hmm. that position, I would put it on a credit card. <laughs> you're asking for my advice that's what i would do because i'm more of a gambler i guess you could say but it's not a gamble you know it's borrowing money in order to invest into your business what if you don't have the money to pay it off well once you do those deals you will <laughs> oh lord um anyways yeah no i mean i know what you're saying i i would i don't think you should be spending money you don't have if you can't afford to to eat Oh, no, but, no. You want to make sure you have money to take care of your basic <laughs> needs. But I'm talking about extras maybe that you could uh-huh. use to invest into your business. I so. thought you so trained because of credit card rewards. I'm impressed. Well, you know, your I don't know. When you're getting going, you got to you got to be aggressive. I know. And and that is the one thing I look back on. I always, you know, over the past 20 something years is I wish I'd taken more risks because yeah. I don't like to take risks. No risk, no reward. risk, no reward. Yeah, it's true. But do you think that like it would make sense to try to I, what I'm saying is like, there's other things that you can spend money on, like a call center and stuff after that. Mm-hmm. Maybe not do any of those initially. Do it all yeah. yourself for the first. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could, get going. Yeah. You could definitely cut some budget on, on things like that. Like you're, you know, answer the calls yourself mm-hmm. and it's just you, no other team members help you until you actually start doing some deals and get some cash coming in and like, then you can like, expand from there. Right. It'd be better used. Like, like every penny you can put into the mailers is going to pay off. Right. Um, and if you could come up with an, I think an, even just another $500 to that would really, mm-hmm. yeah, would yeah, really help. Refine your list, mm-hmm. see if you can get that, bump that up a little bit and, uh, you know, pick the right areas to mail to. Right. And then do, you know, do it for 90 days before, like before you bump it up again. Right. You know, get, get used to, to sending out that mailer. Yep. Or sending out the mailers. Anyways, that was a very interesting podcast mm-hmm. and i know we have a lot more to talk about but i think we'll we'll cut it off there yeah yeah boy you we're, talked a lot today heather i know i know it's it's a real habit a real problem where yes. can everyone find you well if you're not following me on instagram um that's at reese peter um it's my name kind of like backwards you know, yeah like last I'm, name first sure <laughs> uh, he posts all of his all of his um breakfast lunch and dinner and his workouts no i am going to be posting more in there you know, I, I, I've just been posting clips from different podcasts I've been on and clips from this podcast, mm-hmm. but I'm going to start doing part of my life. Uh-oh. Okay. Okay. And stuff that might embarrass you, Heather. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Okay. So uh, Instagram is the best place. And then yeah. where, if you're listening to this and you want to actually watch the podcast, where can they watch it? Well, you can watch it on YouTube. We post everything on YouTube. I also do monthly income reports, which uh, videos, which I post on YouTube. I do an income report that uh, gets posted as a blog post on turningprofit.com. That's our kind of a website for the podcast here. But in that income report, I took, I break down all the numbers of our business, like the revenue we took in that month, the profit we took in that month, 
each and every deal we did, like what we bought it for, what we sold it for, how much profit we made, how many days we held it for, all kinds of different metrics, where we're at year to date, where we're trying to go for for our numbers. So I think that will give you a lot of insight into what's possible with it in this business, you know, like what kind of deals are possible. How much do we spend on um, mailers every month? Uh, right now, we're up to about $50,000 a month. In, in mailers. Right. Yeah. I should have asked you that before, but it just popped in my head. I, I, that would be something I'd want to know. Right. You know, so you can see how it builds up. We didn't start at that. What was no. our first one? 2500 Uh, Yeah. The first mailer I sent out was 10,000 pieces of mail, which is pr- probably cost at the time cost about $5,500. But then I sent out another one. So we, we were probably about 10000 a month okay. initially. Okay. And then. Gradually, but that also came from we were spending a hundred thousand dollars on on social media ads for my other company. Yeah, yeah. So it it felt kind of like wow, this is a bargain. This is great, yeah. You know, so because if you're used to spending a hundred thousand dollars, ten thousand is like right. Wow. Okay. Sure. Okay. And then I, I cut you off. Um, where where's the catch all if they just go to one place? Well, that would be you know if you go to landconquest.com, that's where you can go to the community. And uh, I guess that's probably the best catch-all. Income reports are on there. Turningprofit.com is another one. And Turning Profit, does that link to Land Conquest? Yes. Oh, okay, so. Yes. We'll, we'll They're all linked together. We'll all click. And then where, what are we on Instagram? I'm sorry, on um, YouTube. Where find this Just podcast? at Turning Profit. Okay, and Turning Profit on your favorite podcast player if you want to listen to it next time. Yeah, and please, uh, one thing that we would maybe ask for your assistance on is to share it with a friend. You know, that's about it. I'm not asking for any money. I'm not selling you anything. But share. That would be great. That would that would make Heather happy. Would make me very and happy. me happy as a result. If Heather's happy, I'm happy. Exactly. Okay. Well, until next time, we will see you all later. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.